Hi, welcome to Factor Folklore. I'm Tim. And I'm Amy. And today's episode is going to be the Jersey Devil. The Devil. The Devil made me do it. That's right. Never take responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you know about the Jersey Devil? Not a whole lot other than I know the fact that he lives in Jersey and it flies. And does it have horns? I think so. And a pitchfork? That I don't know. I get the point. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> so the only thing I know about it is it is in Jersey. Uh-huh. It's basically this lady who had a bunch of kids and her husband was like a deadbeat guy and they were super poor. They didn't have a lot of money. She got knocked up and before she had the baby, she was like, curse this. And once she had the baby, it was this devil and it took up from the house, flew up the chimney and it's been spotted throughout New Jersey. I don't really know much more than that, other than just being like a scary dragon, bat, goat thing. Did the man and lady get divorced? Maybe the dad had to pay alimony, alimony or child Jersey. support on the Jersey <laughs> Devil. <laughs> Is it devil support? It would probably be Jersey Devil support, and the kid would say, Come on, it's a Jersey, pay me up. <laughs> <laughs> now, there is a festival every year in Jersey. Hey, that would be something to go to someday. I wonder what kind of food they have at that festival. I'm thinking like devil eggs, devil's food cakes. Are you hungry right now? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know how it really became something that is still discussed today. I don't know. Do you have anything else that you can add to that? I don't know. I'm not from Jersey. Who do we have on the program tonight? We have a researcher, mm-hmm. Nick. He knows a lot about the Jersey Devil, so he's going to educate us. But up front, I want to know, based on that little bit of knowledge, are you thinking this is going to be a fact or are you thinking this is going to be folklore you know i'm thinking more of a folklore but he might convince me that it's a fact i think it's definitely folklore but maybe there's some truth behind that folklore maybe we'll get our mind switched we're going to be giving nick a call here and then he's going to tell us a little bit more about the jersey devil let's give a call all right Hello. Hey, Nick. That's Amy and Tim from Fact or Folklore. Hello, Amy and Tim. How are you today? Doing good. We heard you have a little story for us about the Jersey Devil. Yeah, the Jersey Devil is a story that's sort of near and dear to my heart. I have some family from New Jersey uh, who've happened to not be directly affected by the Jersey Devil, but just having grown up in that part of the country, it was a pretty well-ingrained part of the culture out there. It's a pretty fun story. Does everyone in Jersey know of the story? Is it just people in that area? You know how most states in the Union have a state bird or a state animal? New Jersey is the only state of the 50 that has a state demon that's actually accredited by the state of New Jersey, and that is the Jersey Devil itself. It has become this fixture within the fabric of the state. They've got a hockey team named the Jersey Devils, which I can only imagine is partially inspired by the fact that the Jersey Devil lore exists. I can't imagine you could go too long living in the state without at least hearing a bit about the story. And you could always blame it on the devil, too, if you did something wrong. Exactly. I'm sure it was an escape tactic for lots of cookie-stealing children throughout the decades. (laughs) (laughs) So um, where does this whole thing get started? Well, I think it's fair to start with a brief explanation of 
the story you'd hear if somebody asked you, well, what's the Jersey Devil? Put yourself in the mindset of revolutionary era America, the year 1735. There is a family living in what is at that time known as uh, Leeds Point, which is just at the mouth of the Delaware River where it meets the ocean. So big shipping lanes, lots of sailors living in the area. It's a pretty heavy commerce town. There's this family, the Leeds family, the mother of which, who is at this point born 12 children into this family. Uh, as a big family. <laughs> and supposedly, upon finding out that she was pregnant with a 13th baby, just threw her hands up in the air and said, let this child be the devil. And we don't know necessarily if she was cursing her child while going through labor or if it was a premeditated curse at that point. Or both. Or maybe both. But at the end of the day, she wasn't excited to have a 13th kid. On the day of this baby's birth, she's gone into labor, and a bouncing, happy, healthy baby boy is born to Mother Leeds in 1735. And totally healthy, happy boy. Couple of minutes go by, all of a sudden, it grows to the size of a full-grown man in the room in front of this mother and her midwives grows cloven pig-like hooves. Its skin turns this dark brownish blackish red color. It sprouts a forked tail, large bat-like leathery wings, and its head distorts to the shape of a horse with big old horns on the top. At this point, you could label it as a chimera, which is sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of different creatures. That's not in line with biology at all. It's sort of this bastardization of life. Doesn't sound good. Not a good time. Depictions of this creature later go on to illustrate it as something like a wyvern or a dragon. Upon this transformation, immediately kills the mom, immediately kills the midwives, makes its way into the other parts of the house, kills the dad, kills and eats the 12 siblings, and then escapes through the chimney like a demon Santa Claus. And that's the origin story of this beast. Is it called the Jersey Devil because the description is very devil-like? It also goes by the name the Leeds Devil, which doesn't enter into directly the state of New Jersey. But there are other theories that Mother Leeds was a witch and that the true father of this beast was the devil and not Mr. Leeds. Uh, there's also a theory that the entire town around where they live put a curse on the family because the mother had fallen in love with a revolutionary soldier. And it was a very royalist, loyal to England area because it was majorly funded by shipping lanes. So there's also this theory that the town put the curse on them and kind of summoned a demon into their family. It's very much focused on religion, and those factors. So it's interesting the father could be Satan because that might be why it takes on some of these Satan-like characteristics. Yeah. Male or female? Because the baby was born a boy, people refer to it as a male. If you're going to label this creature, it's 2019. Like if you're going to assign it a label. Hey, we <laughs> yeah. shouldn't label these days. <laughs> For all political correctness, right. we will just what if it feels like a girl, it'll be a girl. If it yeah, feels like a boy, right. it'll, it'll be, be a boy. boy. Z identifies as a non-binary cloven yep. demon. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of satanic symbolism going on. Other depictions of the Jersey Devil definitely have a lot of goat and pig-themed attributes to it, which all kind of tie into that Satanist mentality. Do you know if that area was very religious? So pre-revolutionary United States, religion was a huge boiling point for a lot of different conversations. And this is actually a good segue into more of the backstory of why the Leeds family is involved in this conversation, because they're actually a Quaker family. There was a lot of sideways history between this family and the greater Quakerist movement in the region. I'm sure that the local religious folks definitely had a part to play in designing the lore behind this creature, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I thought I read somewhere that the father of this devil was not able to provide for his family and was kind of an outcast of society. Do you know any of that? So in my research in preparing for this, I didn't find a whole lot of information about the father, but I know just based on the fact that they were able to raise 12 kids at that point in time, either he was just barely scraping by or they had some cash stashed away. Uh, I want es- especially to be able to afford midwifery and a home birth at that That's point. That's true. I wonder if he, where he worked at, if he was a supervisor or a leadsman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's this history behind where this came from. Are there any sightings? Yes, we're talking now, we've zoomed forward a few decades. We're in 1804. America has separated itself from the United Kingdom. And we're kind of leaning into conflicts westward. There's a gentleman named Stephen Decatur. He's a cannonball manufacturer in the state of New Jersey who went on to be a decorated war hero of the War of 1812. He was awarded a Congressional World Medal, and he's had a fleet of battleships named after him since his service in the War of 1812 and so on. But prior to that, in the year of 1804, Stephen Decatur supposedly saw the Jersey Devil flying over one of his production facilities, adjusted for the wind, found a cannon, one of his trademark cannonballs, and launched one up into the air, supposedly pinning the thing straight through its wing And to the point where you could see moonlight through the gaping hole in its wing before it flew off. So now he's a holy devil. That's right. He is a holy devil. (laughs) (laughs) I read this to be a really great marketing technique for my cannons can hit the Jersey devil from a quarter mile away because cannonballs are not accurate. What if he had scopes on them? Yeah, put like an ACOG on top of a cannon. He had to be pretty important figure and a believable figure at that time. He definitely had a lot of weight behind him, being a huge commercial figure in the area and also going on to be one of the reasons New Jersey was proud to have him due to his service. So I'm certain this was just one in a long list of 
sightings that had happened. It's as if a politician or a celebrity were to come out and say they saw Bigfoot. Like all of a sudden it's going to get a bunch of attention because there's this figure who's in the public spotlight. This is approximately like a hundred years later. This story has still survived. Yes. And there's pockmarks of sightings and livestock being thrashed and damage to people's homes, people running away, people disappearing. There's little one-off stories here and there that are rife with poor documentation. What you don't see anywhere is a lot of hard tactile evidence of the beast. There's not a lot of footprints. Somebody thought that they found the thing's corpse in 1957, but then there were 10 more sightings after that within the next couple of years. So people go back and forth about having actual physical evidence of the beast, but it keeps popping up. What's the latest sighting? Between 1957 and 1980 were some of the most recent reportings. A lot of them are just flyovers. Oh, I saw something in the night sky. Oh, it ran across a hiking trail that I was walking down. The most famous string of sightings happened in 1909. There was something called Phenomenal Week, where due to what some people refer to as mass hysteria or a uptick in the amount of reported sightings, There was basically a week where the Jersey Devil just was the thing happening on the East Coast. There were school shutdowns, rewards being offered by the Philadelphia Zoo, $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey Devil. It was seen flying over Bristol, Pennsylvania, the city of Gloucester. Haddon Heights, like it's making really good time all the way up to Delaware. If you look back into what was happening in 1908, it's a happy time. This is pre-World War One. America's in a great commercial era, and there are a lot of these sightings going on. A paper runs a story, sort of like a curiosity piece, more than an investigative piece. It's more like hey, this thing happened 200 years ago. Let's look back and see, like, what is this lore? What is this story in New Jersey that we've all kind of just been telling ourselves for decades and decades? And this man named Norman Jeffries picks up the story and he goes to talk to his boss at the Ninth and Arch Dime Museum. Are you familiar with what a dime museum is? I'm thinking it's like oddities. Yes. It's like a freak show meets the thing you can go to at the fair where you see the giant beast and then they have Nickelodeons and it's kind of a cheap walkthrough museum oddities freak show thing. They get this idea in their head that they can capitalize on this Jersey Devil hysteria that's happening because these papers keep printing stories about it. At that point, it's like a viral article that people are just using to sell papers. So Norman Jeffries and his boss meet up with a professor from a local institution, and they get their hands on a kangaroo. They paint this kangaroo green, and it almost dies licking the paint off of itself. But they tried a different paint, and it worked. They hung some wings on the back of this kangaroo. And it immediately thrashed them and was not having it. And then they made different wings and it was okay. So now you've got this painted kangaroo with antlers on and these wings. They've just got it hidden away. And they start planting really aggravated stories in the local papers. Like, we'll print a reward for the capture of the beast. Where they start basically inciting a mob mentality. They get all of these towns worked up because they're printing ads about going to go find this thing as if it's real. 
So now the tenor of the conversation has changed. They have all these mobs wound up and they go out this one night and they make it out to be this giant struggle where they catch this kangaroo out in the woods. And then for an extended period of time, this thing is bringing in loads of cash because oh. the Jersey Devil, we have the Jersey Devil. Come check it out. It's only a dime. Can you imagine PETA <laughs> in this yeah. story? They literally hired a kid to sit behind the thing and stab it with a nail on a stick to oh. make it aggravated in the cell. So at this point, now people think it's 100% real. Right. Now people have seen this thing. Maybe some of them get the hint that it's not the only one. So even while it's still technically in captivity at this dime museum, there's still more reports pumping out about it. But now people have actually seen it and they've heard it and they're telling all their friends. So it's just going wildly out of control at this point. And I can so, imagine other people want to get their hands on one so that they could have it on display and make a lot of money showing it off. I'm sure. And then we get into January of 1909. So there's a string of sightings for the better part of a week. And the most famous one having been on the 21st of January, 1909, where the devil supposedly attacked a trolley car while it was in motion in the city of Haddon Heights. And based on accounts from the supposed victims, it had slammed up inside against the side of the trolley car. And these people had a visual panic because they saw this giant flying demon smack onto the side of their trolley car. And this inspired multiple towns to have armed guards standing on all of these trolleys preparing for this thing to come down out of the sky and attack the citizens of their towns. So now it has become true fact at this point. The government is sending out taxpayer-paid soldiers to protect the citizens from this thing. They're closing schools down to protect the children. The fire department and the paramedics, they're all on edge because they're afraid this thing could come down anytime. All at the same time, you're hearing reports of like a dog getting its leg chewed off, a person's entire chicken farm getting ravaged by something. All of a sudden, you stop seeing reports of, oh, wolves, or oh, stray dogs. It's, oh, the Jersey Devil. I can only imagine how terrifying that was for people. There is a direct quote, a gentleman named Louis Bozier from Haddon Heights, New Jersey. He was one of the people that supposedly saw the devil on the 21st. He says, in general appearance, it resembled a kangaroo. It has a long neck from what glimpse I got of its head. Its features are hideous. It has wings of a fairly good size and, of course, in the darkness looked black. Its legs are long and somewhat slender and were held in just such a position as a swan's when it is flying. It looked to be about four feet high. So this person's maybe taking some of the rehashed lore about this creature from places like the Ninth and Arch Dime Museum, and they're changing the appearance. They're changing the story, which could either indicate from one point of view that there's a million different stories and no one's ever actually seen the real thing, or that over the 150-something years... It absolutely has bred. And what we're seeing are different versions of the same creature. And it's interesting how the very first description, how much it changed. Right. 
And just to speak to what you were saying earlier about how people might be trying to take advantage monetarily of all of this hysteria, there was that $10,000 reward that was being offered by the Philly Zoo. Somebody fully did try to turn in a kangaroo with wings on it for the cash. And that's got to be a lot of money back in that time. Uh, Yeah. I would dress up my dog as a kangaroo and then put wings. (laughs) I would dress you up like a kangaroo with wings. (laughs) We'll share. I'll take 5,000, you take 5,000. There we go. Do I get to take my wings off after that? No, you have to keep them on. Oh, that's not right. Did anyone ever get any of this payout, any of this cash reward? Supposedly, that $10,000 reward has still yet to be claimed. Based on my reading, I think the Philadelphia Zoo would happily pay 10k, especially accounting for the inflation, to You're have that guy. Said it's probably inflated a whole lot more. So. It's probably like 10 million now. Yeah, I could do that. The rest of my research really leaned into some people trying to explain away the events, or at the very least, provide some contextual evidence about why some of the imagery is what it is. And to do that, we actually go back about a hundred years before the Jersey Devil is born. And we meet Daniel Leeds, who would have been Mother Leeds's great grandfather. He was the gentleman that originally broke ground on what became Leeds Point. He was a Quaker. He was a loyalist. At the time, he was what was considered an occultist. Today, we sort of label occultists as folks who are collectors of bizarre artifacts or they are into alternative religions. In this point in time, an occultist was really somebody who believed in more cutting-edge science or had different beliefs about specifically popular religion. Him being a Quaker and also believing in stuff like astrology, there was a disharmony in his life, but he began publishing books about what he believed and what he believed to be true. One of them was called the American Almanac. It had to do with astrology and new science and all these other things that I'm mentioning. The Quakers were not stoked that this was coming out of somebody in their camp. Because that's completely goes against everything they believe. Publicly. Because if you went into the smoky rooms of the Quaker dens, they're all talking about the same stuff. They're all talking about astrology and Satanism and occultism because that's the hot topic. Like you're not going to not talk about that with your bros. But Daniel Leeds was doing this in the public stage. So he was kind of airing all of their dirty laundry for them against the Quaker playbook. So then he went on to publish what was – referred to as the trumpet sounded out of the wilderness of America, which is where he just straight out started blasting the Quakers about their hypocrisy and the stuff that they were telling him to be quiet about, but then would talk about behind his back and their two-facedness. So he's really throwing the entire Quaker church under the wagon to the point where George Fox, the man who founded Quakerism, accused him of working for the devil. And so I guess that's where we get the Jersey Devil then. That's where it all originates. So that's a huge turning key in the conversation because now they've found a way to twist his words and line him up with Satanism. And this is happening just about 1710, 1712. He's done fighting his fight. 
he's trying to retire. So he hands off the publication of his almanac, the American Almanac, to his son, Titan Leeds. Titan Leeds redesigned the cover of the almanac to depict a wyvern. Which resembles the Jersey Devil. Correct. But remember, this is 20 years before Mother Leeds has her 13th baby. So he's inventing all of this imagery and stapling it to their name and continuing to hype up the astrology, the occult, and publishing basically this alternative magazine. Wow. The point of all this is that they set the stage for this imagery to continue being a part of the conversation and then basically just created... 200 years worth of mythos there's two ways you can read into that from my perspective one is that the whole jersey devil spiel was just another cut at the Leeds family that got really great publication and really ran away from the people who came up with the idea the other way to look at it is through all of their studies the Leeds somehow managed to predict that this was going to be an affliction that was beset upon their family because you don't just like come up with a logo for your show. It's not easy. It comes to you oh. in your in your sleep or it comes to you because you're inspired by something. Maybe something more suspicious or celestial inspired the leads to take the path they took because they knew that their family would eventually be a little bit closer to the occult than they expected. That wow. is amazing. That you is. know, it, it almost sounds pre-planned, but it couldn't have been. But right. They, everything just Right yeah. yeah. I don't know if you have the the images in front of you or if you've got a place to post these later. If you look at the two American Almanac pictures that I sent, you can see the exact imagery that I'm talking about. The black and white one, the crest of their family had these horned flying figures on the shield of their family crest. And that was in the year 1729. When was the original story took place? 1735. Wow. Holy moly. I'll post the pictures on the website. I actually didn't know that story prior to seeing that picture. And that picture is spot on with the descriptions of the Jersey Devil, which is amazing that that was 20 years before the actual birth. And it kind of shows you a lot of folklore. Now you kind of know how maybe things like that develop. Pretty neat. Whether the Leeds Devil is something real in our universe. The panic of 1909 on the eastern coast of our country just because of this story, it's a really great example of mass hysteria and what can happen when a bunch of people all get the same idea in their head and there's any sense of stress floating around in the air. All of a sudden you have an exponential increase in reports and in fear and reaction. It demonstrates how frail the societal roots that hold our whole program together really are. Because as soon as things start to get a little bit out of hand, our country can go feral really, really fast. Where do you stand? Let me ask you, do you think it's fact or folklore? Hmm. Is there a gray zone or do I need to land in one camp or the other for the sake of the podcast? For the sake of this podcast, we'll let you have the gray area if you explain it. Okay, I can explain it away because I think it's a little bit of both. I think most folklore is born from some fact. And I think that due to the lack of physical evidence, 
that suggests that something like the Jersey Devil exists, especially when you look at the natural fauna that lives in that area and how difficult it would be for something like this to find food without having been seen for such a long period of time. I feel like I have to lean more towards folklore, but that being said... There's a lot of unexplained things that happen in parts of the world where there isn't a lot of human visibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a chupacabra style creature that lived in this area that caused some havoc and really left a big enough dent to put some hurt on that part of the world. Now I'm sure when you go out camping in that forest and you're with somebody who's from around there, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is going to be, oh, that's the devil screaming. And so probably sleep with one eye open. And no matter what, like even if it's something you don't believe, you get a tent out there and yeah. you just go with you and it a couple gets people. Real. It gets real, it gets real, 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 real yeah. quick. You'll uh, see shadows and you'll start sure. hearing things. Well, I'll tell you, this was a, a great story. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad this was something you enjoyed and that it's a, a story that you can help share. I really think it's great folklore, and whether it's fact or folklore, I think it has been a positive impact on the state by giving it a little bit of extra color and culture. All right. Well, thanks so much, Nick. We'll have you back on if you want to come back on and tell more lures. Yeah, very interesting. of course. All right. Well, until thanks, next time. Nick. All right. Thanks, Nick. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. That story was so interesting. It was awesome. I really enjoyed uh, listening to Nick. I didn't realize how much history was behind that story. You know, it makes history interesting because it kind of gives you understanding how this all came about and how real it really was in some of these people's minds back then. Summing up this story, would you say that this story is fact or folklore? I'm going with folklore. I'm also going with folklore. That's our show for today. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Fact or Folklore and visit our website, www.factorfolklore.com. We have a message board up, so if you want to share your story or talk about today's podcast, feel free to talk about it on there. And just remember, that's our story and we're sticking to it. We gone. Fact and Folklore, out.